Community sounds like. Stay open. I was drunk. I was loud. I was invincible. And I was proud. Yeah, I was drunk. I was loud. I was invincible. Happy Thanksgiving, and hello, friends and fellow craft beer drinkers. Welcome to Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and with me, as always, is the homebrew engineer himself, Mr. John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Kids have been sick, but uh, soldiering through, so... Looking forward to the holidays. Okay, okay. You're, you're keeping well uh, medicated with lots of beer? Yeah, I'm making sure to, you know, sanitize with alcohol. Excellent. You know. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, good good to hear that. I don't want you getting sick. You know, Thanksgiving is, if you're listening to it on the day we released, is today. So I don't want you to be sick for Thanksgiving. So keep, keep that uh, alcohol level high, high and happy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, in case we have any new listeners to the show, I just want to explain what Tap the Craft podcast is all about. We are an educational podcast, and we're focused around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to help you along in your craft beer journey. So thank you for listening. And you are listening to episode 61, and we're recording on Sunday, November 20th, 2016. And this week, we are going to discuss cast ales. Yes, we're going to talk about cast ales and also a bunch of news articles surrounding the craft beer scene brought to us by our listeners, which is great. And of course, you can count on John and I having our normal beer banter. So why don't we get the show started off with some good beer banter by talking about what's in your glass tonight, John? So tonight I uh, cracked into something I've been holding on to a little bit, mostly because either I didn't have somebody to split it with or just wasn't in the mood to to do a whole whole sour by myself mm-hmm. and i've got an almanac hoppy sour the mandarina yes um which i'm really looking forward to because it's done with the mandarina bavaria hops which i've just fallen in love with mm-hmm. i just wish they weren't so expensive so i can <laughs> <laughs> brew with them all the time um but uh it's still a little bit cold uh but i'm enjoying it so far i'm getting a lot of the or a lot of like the wine character on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's also aged in uh, wine barrels, um, but the the flavor is is real nice, citrusy. Um, so I think I'm going to enjoy this a lot as it uh, opens up a bit here. Oh, yes, I've had that one and I enjoyed it a lot myself. I again, Almanac never goes wrong. They haven't made a bad beer yet in my book, so it's worth the money. So excellent. Yeah. Yeah, you just gotta space them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to that. They they can give you a bit too much acid stomach uh, if you're sensitive to that, like like I am. So yeah, I gotta space them out for sure. Oh, I just meant my wallet. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. The wallet gets expensive too. <laughs> yes. What are you drinking? All right. Well, it is getting into winter. I know it's hard to believe we've had some hot weather, but guess what? It is starting to cool down a little bit. So I've been hitting the winter warmers hard and i'm back to my jubilee i went to costco and they have jubilee 24 pack for 27 dollars no brainer 
You know, if I'm going to pay a little over six bucks a, tw- a six pack, then I'm going to buy a 24 pack of, of this beer and enjoy it uh, for at least a week. I might be done with it by the end of this week because I've already uh, I've already drank a few after just picking it up last night. I've already cranked through it <laughs> you know, a little bit over a six pack, so they they go pretty fast. So yeah, Jubilee, Jubilee, nice. Yeah. All right, John. Well, by any chance, have you gone out and done some fun beer stuff since our last recording? So I did some fun uh, homebrew stuff. Oh, uh, since our last recording. Um, so every year, my homebrew club puts on a competition called November Beer Fest, uh, and over the last couple of years, it's actually been a joint um, homebrew competition and uh, pro am event. So. Uh, beers that uh, either win their categories or just marked as judges by judges as you know good beers uh, can be selected um, by commercial brewers to brew on their system and uh, entered into either GABF or the Washington Beer Awards oh, uh, in wow. the program category. Cool. Um, so I got to go judge that event, which was fun, although. I uh, was doing loggers all day, and I started with American Light Lager. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so uh, it was a bit of a rough start at uh, 9 a.m., but um, had some had some good beers. Uh, but I also entered. Okay. Um, and I uh, took uh, two golds, a silver, and a bronze. Holy um, smokes. competition. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, and one of the golds was Loose Cannon. No way. Yeah. Oh my first. gosh, we won. Um, We're a gold medal strong, beer. Strong Belgian. <laughs> um, so, and that actually, uh, that, uh, my barley wine and uh, red ale were all put forward as potential selections for Pro-Am, but unfortunately none of them were picked. Oh. Um, but uh, still had a good outing and, and enjoyed it. But I, I think I'm officially out of Loose Cannon now because I had to send in an extra bottle once it was selected for uh, pro-am consideration so okay i'll have to dig around but i think i think i'm out wow so. wow it's history in the making i've got the last remaining bottles of this gold medal winning beer that's right <laughs> hey are you gonna send me my medal do you have uh, did i you get two i think <laughs> i think they actually do ribbons not medals so i should say the first okay. um, not gold but okay i don't know i, I like saying gold better Oh, it sounds great. It sounds great. Oh, well, yeah. just make sure you take a picture of it for me so I can uh, – I'll just put it up on my wallpaper on my computer so I can lavish in the greatness of our beer. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> wow, that, that's – I mean, that's fantastic. You surprised me because you didn't tell me that you were doing that. And I was I was disappointed we didn't win the last competition we entered it in. Yeah, I guess I just need a little more time. Yeah. Or a, a, a fresh set of judges. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, some judges that really appreciate good beer. Yeah, yeah. So I'll get. I don't have the notes back yet. The score sheets. Um, I should get those this week if they get them out. Um, but uh, so we can see what they said. Okay. Now we weren't the only one that entered a beer in that category, were we? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. No, we were not. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Well, uh, I I don't have anything fun that, to report back into for the last couple of weeks. It's been pretty much just, uh, you know, drinking the normal stuff, hanging out with my friends, uh, you know, hitting a bar here and there, but nothing, nothing exciting like what you went through. But I do want to mention that 
Black Friday. Pay at Black Friday, the fifth anniversary or first fifth fifth annual uh, Dark Beer Festival here in Boise uh, is going on this Friday uh, on Black Friday. And I already, I had bought my tickets. I bought I pre bought um, like two ticket package. The couples package gives me two nice glasses and uh, twelve tickets and uh, to to sample these great dark beers and most of them are ranged between 10% and 14%, you know, imperial stouts, barrel aged stuff. Uh, we had rum barrel aged stuff last year that was fantastic, a lot of whiskey and bourbon. Uh, they got vertical flights of the Payette 12 gauge imperial stout. Uh, they had three three years of the regular one, plus they had vanilla, uh, like a Mexican one last year that was really good. They had a bunch of varieties of it. So I am jazzed about Black Friday. I don't, I'm going to end up you know, probably passing right over Thanksgiving, just anticipating the next day so I can go drink some of these great beers. So if you guys... I don't know if you should do that completely, though. You'll, you'll need to stretch a little bit on Thanksgiving. You okay. Yeah. You don't want to go in completely cold. That's true. That's true. I will be drinking. I, I am uh, having a, a friend, um, Alex, my friend from Israel, who uh, relocated here recently. He is going to come over for Thanksgiving, and we are going to probably partake in a few of my cellar beers because I need help drinking some of these big beers. And if I were to drink these things by myself before, you know, Black Friday, I might not make it through Black Friday. So we'll, we'll warm up with those for sure. Nice. Yeah. I remember you, remember you talking about that, uh, maybe last year and, uh, it's an awesome event. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and you need to come, come for it one of these years. So maybe next year you can, you can slide on in here and we can go to that, that festival together and, and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Fremont is doing their, uh, release for their, um, dark star B bombs, which is oh, their, uh, yeah their barrel aged versions of their winter rail. Um, so we're, we're debating going up there for that. If we got our, everybody healthy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Those are big beers. I've, I had a number of those when they first brought them into the Boise area last year, they had the dark star ones, they had the B bomb ones. And those were pretty strong. I think they were selling them. They were selling small snifter glasses, for like you know eight bucks a piece or something like that for a ouch <laughs> it was a little bit expensive yeah. yeah they released the dark star already um so we've already picked up uh one of those but oh, nice um, yeah all right excellent yeah so anyone that's in the boise area that uh is gonna be at the pay at black friday look me up i'll be there i'm gonna try to send something out on facebook too to remind everyone that i'll be there so come find me and let's, uh, we'll toast and, and chat and have a good time. I'm hoping to have a bunch of people there just to make it fun. All right, John. So how about some noteworthy beers since our last recording? You have some, some beers you want to share with the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at our last homebrew club meeting, they did their annual winter warmer tasting where they bring in, you know, uh, maybe 30 different winter warmers uh, for folks to try and, and drink. So, um, at this point I've had, you know, most of the offerings, but there was, there was one beer, uh, that they had two or three bombers down and I, uh, kept going back for more of this one, um, which is the Puyallup river, 
Imperial Eggnog Mud Mountain Milk Stout. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they, they do this Mud Mountain Milk Stout, I think, year-round. Um, so they do this Imperial Eggnog version uh, for the holidays. And this thing was delicious. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're an Eggnog fan. Uh, oh, I, love, I, I do I enjoy eggnog. mine uh, you know, every uh, Christmas season. Um, and this thing had... R- Real nice uh, nutmeg character coming mm-hmm. through. Uh, the milk stout. I think they dialed up the lactose a little bit to give it a little bit more of that character. Um, it, it was really well put together. Uh, I mean, I think I'm gonna go have to search out some more of this just for the for the holidays because uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, I don't think that's available outside the uh, greater Seattle area, but. If you're there and you are a fan of eggnog or even just nutmeg, uh, I definitely go go pick it up. It's okay. it was very nice. Okay, so have you had other beers from Puyallup River Brewing? Yes, I have. Are are they do they make pretty decent beers? Uh yeah. Yeah they do. Okay. Um they do uh one thing I, I really like from them is uh they have uh um, cream ale, I think. I think they're the brewery that has it. Uh, but they got this cream ale that they'll they sell it just straight cream ale, has a pineapple cream ale, and then a pineapple ghost pepper cream ale, which oh. I may have mentioned on the show before. <laughs> wow. Um, so you can kind of see it stepped up, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've enjoyed their. They're just over the last six months or so been doing a big bomber push out into the area. So they're uh, getting to be more widely available. Um, so I've been picking them up as I can. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, Puyallup is pretty close to, I mean, it's a little bit further South from where you're at. Right. South right. Point. Okay. All right. Maybe my next trip out there, I'll make a trip South of Seattle just to try some of the breweries in in the Southern sound uh, well they they do not have a tasting room oh um so you you gotta get the bombers oh or find them on draft somewhere so okay good to know good to know okay yeah which we learned the hard way after we drove down to peel up and like all right well let's go figure out where it is <laughs> and then <I'm> like oh <laughs> yeah here's my growler can you just uh, open up the bright tank and uh you know fill it up <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um all right, so uh, next one is the uh, from Payette Brewing. It's mm. their barrel-aged Pistolero. Uh, this came in as a, a growler fill option at uh, my local bottle shop, okay. uh, 99 Bottles. And it came available just after you know you had been here and you left me a Pistolero to try Yeah, that I'd never had before. I was like, well, this seems like a great time to pick up the barrel-aged version. <laughs> um and uh, I tell you what, it was really smooth and very nice. Oh, um, wow. The, my only uh, complaint, it's, it's a bit of a nitpick, is uh, the, the barrel and bourbon character was really aggressive in the yeah. nose. Yeah. Um, but the, the flavor melded really well and was really smooth. Um, and I really enjoyed it. But, uh, I mean, I still gave it, I think, a four. Mm. But this could have been pushing, you know, five territory had the nose been a little less aggressive yeah because uh, it, it was a little off-putting at first yeah when it first was getting into it um but 
very well done. And, you know, if, if you, I don't know if they sell these in bottles or anything uh, that you can get and put away, but I imagine you put this thing down for a year or, or six months or a year, it's going to be just awesome. Okay. You know, coming at, coming out of the glass. So uh, it'd definitely be, be one to check out if, if it's available. Yeah. I haven't had it yet. I, I, they were having it, they had it at their brewery and I just haven't made it down there to, to try it. So I'm thinking maybe I'll go ahead and give it a shot on black Friday. Cause I'll probably have at least one keg of that probably held over for the black Friday event. Yeah. If, if they've got it, go, go grab some. It was very good. Yeah. Now, how did you like the pistol, the regular, um, um, Porter, the pistol, pist- pistolero, did you enjoy it also? Uh, I did. I was not uh, expecting the smoke um, mm-hmm. in there. Uh, and uh, the smoke put off Kristen. She's not a fan of smoked beers, but darker beers, you know, she usually wants so She yeah. wanted to try it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I liked the little hint of the smoke back there. And um, I, I enjoyed that beer. Yeah. Uh, I, not not. Not as much as the bourbon barrel version. Yeah, now. yeah. No, no, that's fine. It, it used to be just a seasonal release, and every time it came out, I would go down to the brewery when it was back in their small brewery and grab a pint or two because, man, I, I I love that. It was just a really good beer, and now they have it. They finally this now they have the big brewery opened, and they're releasing it as a year-round release, which is very very pleasant because it's a. I mean, it's a really good porter that I enjoy. And so glad I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. I'm too bad that Christian didn't didn't enjoy the the extra flavors in there, but just you know, not every beer is for everyone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so the last one I'll talk about, uh, I actually just had this afternoon, um, and that's the Crux uh, Half Hitch Mosaic uh, Imperial IPA. Yeah, um, which I hadn't had before, and I thought I'd had, and. Um, Picked it up at Costco for like four fifty. Oh, um, good price. Which was, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good deal. Um, but uh, yeah, this one uh, started off with a uh, little dank and citrus, but then as it warmed up, kind of settled in with the tropical and mango uh, character kind of throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very pleasant. Um, I really enjoyed that beer, uh, and it, it helped uh, coping with all the sick kids. You know, <laughs> yeah, today. Um, but I, I think you've had that one. I have had it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, that was one of the beers that they had. Remember, I they had a at, at the Brewers Haven. They had a Crux Fermentation Project uh, tasting event when they first brought the beers into town, and I made a comment out of six out of six beers on tap. Uh, four of them were either IPAs. They were all IPAs, whether it was a double IPA or a session IPA, or, uh, you know, two other versions of their IPA. I'm like, come on, you brought four, you know, six beers, and four of them are IPAs, but you know what, they were, all the IPAs were good, and that one was especially good. I did enjoy that one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. So if you can get Crux, uh, I definitely recommend picking that one up. Yeah, for sure. So So what are your uh, noteworthy beers for this week? I I originally had three on my list, but today, like you, I had a beer that uh, I had to put on the list, so I have four 
So I'm, I apologize to our listeners ahead of time. I'm going to be chatting a little bit about my beers, but it's worth it because these are beers that you guys got to go out and have. And the first one I'm going to talk about was brought back by my buddy Alex. He made a trip to Bend. This is this is the, my buddy from Israel, and he hasn't he hadn't been to Bend. And he asked me, I'm going to go to Bend and tell me what breweries to go to. It's his first trip. You know, he was going to go and, and try to hit as many as he could. And uh, I said, you got you got to go to Boneyard. You can't miss Boneyard. And you got to go to Crux, and you got to go to the Shoots Pub, and uh, you know a few other ones. Oh, and uh, Bend Brewing. And so he he went and, and took my advice, had a great time, and as a thank you, he brought back a beer from Boneyard. He knows how much I enjoyed Boneyard beer, and this is one that he saw on, on tap that I hadn't tried when I was there, and it's the Incredible Pulp Pale L. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, oh my God, I, I gave this beer a four-cap rating, and you know, I don't know why I did. I, it should be a five-cap rating, but you know why I didn't give it a five-cap because I didn't want to have to rearrange my top 10 list, because I already did mine. I'm already ahead of the game. I've got my top 10 beers of the year, and if I put this to five, I would have to figure out how to put it in that list and take something else off. So so, so you're giving Boneyard the shaft because you're lazy, <laughs> yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> but I'm telling everyone that this beer is awesome, and uh, the the... I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's just like they do with their with their notorious triple IPA. This beer is a it's fairly it's a pale ale. It was six percent six and six point something percent I think it was. Uh, it had the malt good malt backbone that you need in a in a pale, and it had a very delicate citrus flavor in there that is hard to explain. I cannot explain exactly what it was, but it was. A bunch of different citruses that uh, that just was very very delightful and taste tasty, and I had a 32 ounce crowler. He bought me back a crowler, right? Because they don't they don't sell all they sell is crowlers and growlers. So he brought me back a 32 ounce crowler. I drank that whole thing pretty pretty quickly, and as it warmed up, even you know I I didn't drink it cold cold. I drank it you know my normal you know beer drinking temperature, but because it was 32 ounces, it took me a while to drink two of those glasses. That's two, basically two glasses of beer. And by the time I got to the second beer, the beer, I mean, I swear, every sip I took got better. This is a beer that is just fantastic. So I'm telling everyone out there, if you can get Boneyard Beer Incredible Pulp, then go get it. It's a fantastic pale ale. So, nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other one uh, I had that really kind of, uh, you know, hit me hit me over the head of something that I really enjoyed was from Backwoods Brewing. And I think we discussed that Backwoods was from the Washington area, right, John? Last show, I I think we we mentioned it. I couldn't remember. Yeah, we I think we mentioned Backwoods. I think it's in the Gorge area. I know I've had a beer or two from them, so. Yeah, they're a small brewery. And uh, they are canning their stuff and getting it out. We get it here in, in the Boise area, get some of their limited stuff. And the, the one of the ones I hadn't had, I'd had pretty much everything they've brought into town, and I've enjoyed it all. But this one was a new one, and it's called Roughing It Rye, and it's a rye IPA. And I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed this beer too. You know how I love my rye beers, and uh, it was very tasty and, and very good. I, I don't know. I just enjoyed it, and I had to make sure that if you guys can get Backwoods Brewing, 
uh, Roughing It Rye, give it a shot, especially if you like rye. It wasn't it wasn't as heavy on the rye character as the um, the toasted rye from from Rubens or roasted rye, I guess it's called roasted rye. But yeah, roasted rye. Yeah, but it still has a, a really good uh, rye character to it. And and again, it's it wasn't it was one of those IPAs that is not aggressive on the bitters in this bittering side. It's not super bitter. Just it has a bitter backbone to it, but it's not overly bitter. But it, it has that nice rye character. And, I really enjoyed it, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned that one as a noteworthy. And then here's uh, yeah, that's one I haven't had from them, but uh, okay. I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I think it's a new a new release. I think when I checked into it, I saw that it only had a couple hundred check ins, so it, I think it's fairly new. So look for it. It's I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. All right, the next one was one that surprises me. I'm, I I I think I've mentioned to people before that. Uh, there's a brewery in, in the Boise area. It's actually, now it's in the uh, uh, Star Emmett, not Emmett. It's, it's a little bit uh, west of, of Boise now. They, they relocated. But it's called Crooked Fence. And this brewery didn't really impress me when they first opened at the same time that Payette Brewing opened, you know, about five years ago. Uh, it, it, their beers were okay. Some of them were really a disappointment, and so I kind of steered clear of them. But lately, I've been returning and trying the beers, and I've really been impressed that they've made improvements on their beers. Well, this is a beer that's a new one for them, and it's called the Hither Brown, and this is a coffee brown ale. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, I, this this beer was absolutely fantastic. I believe I gave it five a five cap rating. Uh, it 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 was or is on my list of of uh, potential top ten beers of the year, so that should tell you this is a damn good brown ale. Wow. It's, it's it's really really good. I was shocked that uh, that I enjoyed this one as much as I did. So I raised my glass to Crooked Fence for uh, really coming around and making some fantastic beer of late. So there you go. I I I, I can be wrong. It's it's not it's not. Uh, you know, I'm not always right. <laughs> well, it's another uh, reason to go go back and and try circle it, back right? and check things again. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And here's another thing. Here's another one. Now, my last beer is one I had today. And again, I've been a little bit down on this brewery because I know they get a lot of hype and a lot of people love this brewery, and I just haven't been impressed with the the six or seven beers that I've had from them. And so I kind of, you know, decide when I see one of their beers, um, I don't necessarily jump to buying it because they're a little bit more expensive also. And this is from Jolly Pumpkin. And Jolly Pumpkin is a Michigan brewery, and they focus strictly on sour beers. And uh, this is a beer I picked up uh, at the beginning of or in, in the beginning of last year. And I had it in my cellar, and I forgot that I had it. And I was looking... You know, I, I put it in my fridge because I said, you know what, I got, I want to drink this thing. I, I'm trying to clean out my cellar, so I put it in my fridge and I, I popped it open today, and it's the Noel de Calabaza, which is a oak barrel aged sour winter ale. And now it was bottled on 11 15 2014, and so it's been bottled for two years, and so it's had uh, some bottle conditioning continued conditioning for two years and I'll tell you what um, wow I this this beer is fantastic the 
I think the, the two years of aging it really made the sourness. Uh, a lot of times, Jolly Pumpkin, in my opinion, is all sour, all acidic, all too much uh, sourness and not enough flavor. Well, this thing is got a nice tartness, no acidic uh, stomach feeling. It didn't really weigh on my uh, stomach and, and make you feel like I had a bunch of acid floating around in, in my stomach after drinking it. And the barrel character, the oak barrel character, really gives this beer a lot of, um, I don't want to say character, but uh, levels of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for as far as uh, uh, different levels of stuff? I don't know. I can't think of the word because I, I'm going brain dead right now, but it like really... The, the way it's balanced or different things? It's, or? it's balanced, but it also has a, a full breadth of depth or complexity depth, depth, yes it's very complex yeah thank you it's, it's got great levels of depth to it and com- the complexity and the flavors come out uh it's fantastic shocked me i i enjoyed every and this is a now remember they make the, these beers are in i think they're 750 milliliter bottles or or 25 ounce bottles so it's a big beer i had to drink today and you know john you're complaining about drinking a 10.5 ounce sour i drank this 25 ouncer and I have no ill, you know, no, sometimes when I drink a, a big sour beer like this, it really kind of weighs heavy on my stomach and I, I'm burping up acid burps, you know, and it's really bad. No ill effects, uh, really enjoyed it. So I have uh, turned my cheek, slap it on each side because I was wrong. Jolly Pumpkin can make some fantastic beers. Uh, again, I was wrong. Another one I haven't had, so... Four for four on your noteworthy here that I need to go get my hands on. All right, excellent. Okay, John. So, um, you you know I've kind of slowed down on my check-ins because I've been drinking a lot of winter warmers that I'm not checking into because I'm you know I've been drinking my Wassail and my Jubilee and my Burr. I've even drank uh, some Burr this this season already. So, how are we doing on our up our untapped uh, challenge? Yeah, so it's a good thing you're slowing down because I have been too. Um, but I still picked up two beers over the last couple of weeks. So mm. the deficit is down to 25 coming coming into the last month or so here. Oh, wow. So, wow. You may you may actually catch up before the end of the year. Yeah, I'm hoping. You know, see how things can break. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, good job. Good job. Now, keep in mind, John, I do have a Black Friday beer festival, and I have 12 tickets. So that could potentially be 12 unique beers on one day. I'm banking after a few tickets. You won't remember to check stuff in anymore. (laughs) That's probably true. That's probably true. All right. So we had some feedback from our listeners. And the first one I'm going to talk about is from our buddy Tim Price. He commented on Facebook uh, on our show post that we posted there. He uh, hashtag cats hate daylight savings time. Uh, LOL. And that kind of uh, was kind of like a sub, uh, I mean, you may or may not have heard it. I'm surprised Tim heard it because it was kind of like uh, whispered under my breath uh, as John was saying that babies don't like or kids don't like daylight savings time. Well, and I, I kind of made a comment that cats don't like daylight savings times either. And, and the reason why I said that is because I've got a great cat. He's a Russian blue. He's about 9 or 10 years old. His, you know, his name is Chuck Boris, like Chuck Norris, but, but he's Russian, so he has to be a Boris. Uh, he's a he's a pretty badass cat, but the cat's fantastic except for one thing: he wants to be fed at 5 a.m. 
every single morning, and he's not going to let you sleep until you get up and feed him. And when daylight savings time comes, and I can roll my clock back and get that extra hour of sleep, no. No, he wants to get up at 4 a.m. and uh, be fed. So, yeah, that's why cats don't like uh, daylight savings time either. So Yeah, Boris just pampered. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a destructive uh, cat when he doesn't get his way. I mean, he literally destroys our room. So, he's he's a he's a he's a he's a beast to be reckoned with. That's the Chuck Boris uh name. All right. And, uh David Bizell mentioned that some Costco stores are featuring a German version of a beer advent calendar, 24 days of German beer for 56 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that, John? I have not seen that here. I I just went through uh, at least one of our Costco uh, beer aisles. We have a lot of Costcos here. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, you are. Yeah, I guess you would have a lot. We are in the, the land of Costco, yeah. so. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I've I've uh, seen people post about them. Uh, I think they had them last year too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, cool thing. Uh, if you if you got to do it yourself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but these are German beers, so this is. T- you know, I'm assuming 24 unique German beers to celebrate each day of the, you know, working up to Christmas. I, um, I went to Costco yesterday and I went looking for this, this box in particular because he had texted me on Friday saying, Hey, look what my wife just picked up. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm going to look for it myself. But my Costco did not have the, the box. I was very disappointed, but you know what? My disappointment was very short-lived because that's where I picked up that 24-pack of Jubilee. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's a win-win. Yeah, I almost put that in my cart when I was there too, but I was like, <laughs> "It's a great uh... deal. It's a it's a great deal. It's a great deal." But it, it is. But uh, you know, I also have a bunch of kegs I got to get through too. Yeah, so that's what. Yeah, if I was can't in... bog myself down with cases of commercial beer. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if I was in your shoes, I would also have to pass because I'd be drinking all my own great beer. So award-winning beer by that, right, John? Well, yeah, if I come over and brood all for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we also had uh, an article posted to our Facebook page by our buddy David Makazuki, and it, he, he posted that uh, uh, an article that says, Swedish Brewery makes the world's most expensive potato chips. And he asked, would you buy these special potato chips? Now, for one box of five crunchy chips will set you back $56. Wow. What do you think, John? Are these uh, chips, uh, and now these chips are made with ingredients from Norway, you know, Viking land, that uh, these are very rare uh, mushrooms and things that, that are only found at certain areas at certain times of the year. So it's a very, the ingredients are very uh, inclusive, you know, uh, exclusive. Uh, but is it still worth 56 bucks for five chips? No, no yeah. way. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you know how much beer I could drink for those five chips? I, I think I'd have to pass too. Yeah, although I don't know how much uh, beer costs in, in Sweden either. So who knows? It may seem like a bargain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that is a good deal. Maybe that's what their regular bag of chips cost at 56 bucks. <laughs> uh, all right, well, thank you, David, for sharing that. And hey, you guys, let us know on our Facebook page by leaving a comment on the article that David posted to our wall, uh, whether or not you would, you would pay that kind of price for these chips. Yeah, definitely. 
And David posts another article on our Facebook page. Uh, five beers that made San Diego famous. Uh, it was a very good article from uh, San Diego Union Tribune. Uh, so go check it out and uh, let us know if any of these beers uh, made you notice San Diego as a craft beer town to be remembered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's a homer. I mean, he's from. Uh, well, he's he lives in the L.A. area, but uh, you know, it's kind of a homer article because, of course, they're gonna they're gonna prop up their their local beer scene. But uh, there is, I mean, I've had all the beers that were listed in the, oh, no, all but one. Uh, one is the one that's your favorite beer down there, I think, uh, from Carl Strauss, the Red Trolley. Oh, the Red Trolley. Yeah, I just gave a little teaser yeah, to yeah. it. That's the only one I haven't had, but I had the other four. And I will say that uh, I mentioned on the our Facebook wall that there was one beer that made me notice San Diego and you know, it's still one of my favorite beers. So it's, it's a good good read. I enjoyed it. It was nice uh, history, a little history lesson on these breweries and about the beers. So check it out. All right. So guess what? We have a listener question. And who is it from? None other but our buddy David at YoJimbo2000 on Twitter. So he posted this to our Facebook page. He says, when you are eating out and selecting a beer... Do you think about what you're going to eat and which beer will pair best with uh, with that food? Or do you just select the beer you want? And he says that he personally just selects a beer that he wants. He doesn't care about the food selection. So how about you, John? Do you actually uh, kind of have an idea of what you're going to eat before you order your beer? Well, usually I'm ordering my beer first. Yeah. Um, like immediately when I sit down. Yeah, <laughs> I, me too. Uh, so, uh, usually not. Um, I might, you know, if, if there's a couple of things that look good, if something may pair well better or pair better with the, the beer I, I already, uh, selected, mm-hmm. then I, I might lean that way. But, um, I usually don't go into it, uh, with that in mind. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, I don't either. Uh, I'm, a, I agree with you and David that I pretty much come, come into the place. I don't even look at the menu. I uh, for I I mean I look at the menu for beer or I ask the the wait server uh, whether or not you know what beers they have what you know what seasonal I always try to ask hey what seasonal do you have uh, it's you know something that's probably going to be unique and if it sounds good I order that up and then I look at the menu after I'm you know partaking in my beverage and then see what sounds good to eat uh, and honestly I pretty much try to drink water with my meal. Uh, I'll have a beer, but I'll drink a glass of water with my meal because when I'm eating, I need to drink. I need to rinse that stuff down, and I don't want to be gulping down a bunch of good quality beer, uh, you know, trying to rinse my food down my my throat. So I'll go ahead and rinse it down with water, and then I'll be able to enjoy my beer more uh, as kind of like an after after dinner dessert. So that's just me, though. Well, there's the uh, saying for for wine pairings that the the best wine to pair with your food is the one you want to drink. Yeah, no. yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, the one that's, that you want to drink. Excellent. Well, we we did have a, a uh, I don't remember if this article we had, I think just Chris McKenzie responded, and he says that sometimes you have to. You wouldn't want to have a nice coffee stout with something like spaghetti. The flavors are just too weird together. In a lot of cases, though, IPAs, Pilsners, or other light beers will pair with just about anything, but just as long as there is beer and food, he's happy. So hey, that's a good uh, philosophy too. 
long as it's yeah. beer and food, you're happy. All right. Well, thank you for all the comments and, of course, the questions. And uh, wow, David is like our is like our weekly winner here. He's three three different uh, articles and and questions. Uh, that's fantastic. All right, and if you would like to contact the show with comments or questions, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or on Twitter at tapthecraft. And, of course, feel free to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft and uh, participate. Be part of the show. All right, well, hey, now is the time that we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com, and if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know you're going to find some more great content, content from the shows like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please, remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right. Well, thank you, Larry, for providing our OFRN plug for all the great shows out there. And now it is time for our Brew Buzz segment. Yes, the Brew Buzz segment, which is devoted to all kinds of various beer-related topics. And this week, we are going to to discuss cask ales. Now, John, how did we come up with this topic for this show? Yeah, so with uh, Thanksgiving coming up, uh got... Uh, some family coming in. My mom's coming in town, and uh, she has been on a Cascale kick since she went to uh, England uh, like a year ago. And so, anytime she can get a, a beer on cask, she jumps at the chance. And uh, so, I, I've been looking around. There's a brewery in Seattle, Machine House, that all they do is Cascales. Mm. They do traditional English style ales, and everything they serve is on cask. Um, it's all they sell. It's the only way they'll sell it. And uh, so I'm looking to get her up there, and I thought, hey, you know, we, we haven't really talked about uh, cask ales at all, so I think it would be a good thing to to share because it's kind of a unique presentation, as, at least here in the U.S. Yeah. So. All right. Well, excellent. Excellent. So I guess we'll just talk about what cask ale is, and we'll start off with, hey, cask ale is an unfiltered, it's also unpasteurized ale that's been conditioned in a cask. Makes sense, right? It's called cask ale, so it's an ale that is being conditioned in a cask versus in a well, in a fermenter, right? I mean, well, versus something that's you know filtered and they get all the yeast out of it and it's just kind of locked in time, right? Okay. So okay, all right. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, of course, casks were originally wooden barrels, and uh, but now they're made mostly of steel. And even in England, right, they're made of steel nowadays. I, I believe. Yeah, that's true. steel and and plastic is actually uh, coming up a bit, but uh, wood is rare. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
And the steel casts, they are, are still maintaining a round barrel shape, and they generally will hold between or either 9 or 18 imperial gallons. Now, I have no idea what the difference between an imperial gallon is compared to a U.S. gallon. Do you know what the conversion rate is? <laughs> Uh, it's bigger. I think it's uh, like 20% more or 25% more, something like that. So I think that the 9, the Firkin is uh, like 10 and a half, 11, something like that okay. in U.S. gallons. Okay. All right. So it's, a, it's a, a small, smaller than a quarter pony keg, I guess. Uh, a little bit by a third. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Cascale is a traditional serving uh, preparation in the UK. Uh, Cascale is generally less carbonated than standard carbonation in the US. And that's, I think, is the key part that a lot of people have trouble with is the fact that they like, here in the US, people like their beer a little bit more fizzy uh, than yeah. Cascale will give them. Yeah, we like our bubbles. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, cask ale, it's uh, traditionally prepared, um, you know, near the end of fermentation, uh, they'll transfer the beer that's unfinished into the cask for secondary um, fermentation. And that's where uh, it's it's transferred over with enough sugar left uh, to carbonate mm-hmm. um, the beer. Uh, so it's very similar to what we, we get in a bottle-conditioned beer. You know, it's a small, you know, fermentation happens in the bottle to carbonate the beer mm-hmm. um, and then because it's there with all the yeast it'll continue to develop um, in the cask so uh, it, you know it's kind of that uh, it, it's still living you know it hasn't been you know filtered or pasteurized to kill everything in there um, but uh, you know they, they can add uh, priming sugar um, as well as the cask if there's not enough uh, sugar left after fermentation, um, or they could just let the beer finish out fully, I guess, to control the amount of, of sugar left. Mm. Um, but, uh, I think, I think traditionally they, they would transfer it over before it was done, um, to capture that, that last bit of CO2, yeah. um, in the cask. Uh, it also, the beer is allowed to condition until ready to serve in the cask. The length of conditioning will depend on the style of, and, of course, the strength of the beer. Your strong, dark styles may be conditioned for months, while, of course, your lighter styles might, might be ready as short as one to two weeks. Uh, traditionally, the yeast would be allowed to settle on its own, but the findings that they may be added to assist the clearing of the beer. So... The yeast will settle, put some finings in there, make the beer a little bit clearer than uh, it would be if if it wasn't. And then uh, when the beer is clear... Yeah, because uh, especially English yeast uh, can be, be slow to, to yeah. flocculate out yeah. um, and drop. So uh, they might give it a little a little push. Yeah, a little so. push to, to help help drop those things out so you're not drinking a bunch of, you know, fuzzy beer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So no, of course, uh, New England IPA style <laughs> yeah, on yeah. cask. <laughs> yeah, none, none of that, uh, none of that juicy uh, IPA stuff. So, uh, of course, once the beer has cleared, it is ready to serve. So, John, how the heck do we serve up this cask ale? Yeah, so uh, this is another big, big difference. Um, you know, we talked about it. it'll be lower in, in carbonation, but it's also served completely differently. So, uh, once it's ready they'll actually knock a tap into the side of the cask. Um, so even these steel um, 
casts have a an area that you'll knock the tap into to to, mm-hmm. um, to actually tap the the cask, and then from there it it can actually be served in two different ways. It could be uh, served via gravity or by a beer pump. Mm-hmm. So obviously, something served by gravity um, is going to be stored pretty close to the bar um, and at a probably high, higher elevation um, slightly uh, just above the back bar. Um, and, you know, you open the tap and the beer just comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, how we've all, all learned gravity works over time. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the beer pump, um, which I think is what most people who are familiar with cask kind of envision uh, when you think about a cask ale. And so cask served by beer pump, you know, can be stored in a cellar, you know, away from the bar or, you know, close to the bar. But uh, it's actually pumped to the bar with a, with a hand pump. Uh, it's also called a, a beer engine, mm-hmm. which is just an awesome name for yeah. a way to your beer. Um, but the beer engine is just a piston pump um, that will generally pull about half a pint uh, with, the, with each pull of the handle. So uh, it, it takes some skill to learn how to, you know, act, correctly pull a pint with a beer <laughs> engine, you know, to kind of get in the glass in the right way without too much foam and everything else. Um, but, you know, that's all you need to get the beer into the glass. It, it's not connected to any kind of CO2 system or anything mm-hmm. like that. That goes against uh, tradition and, and everything. So. Yeah fully manual just pull the big handle and out comes your beer yeah yeah that's the traditional way and and i think cascale purists they don't want to have it any other way than either gravity fed or beer engine fed and this was uh you know i wanted to mention this a couple shows ago um this is a side tangent real quick uh, but one of the cascale breweries in the la area where our buddy robert lives is mcleod brewing he actually sent john and i beer from mcleod in in bottles and the the brewer the head brewer uh and the owner uh, had a little bit of an outing because uh they well it was actually i think he was part of the owner he was part owner i think he, they, he separated because he didn't want to to change the fact that he only wanted it to be served out of a cask engine, no CO2. But what they were finding was that people were having trouble with the beer, I think. They they don't like the way the cask ales uh, come out. So they were thinking that their clientele that was coming in, they were you know, weren't getting as many people as they would like to come through. So they wanted to try to enhance some of the bottling. And I think it was mainly the bottling. I don't know if it was necessarily the stuff on tap in the in the tap room itself, but uh, the bottles in particular, they wanted to add some CO2 to help uh, preserve it so that it lasts longer and, and you don't get bad bottles or bottles that don't, you know, don't come out the way the, that they intended. And the, the, the main brewer owner didn't like that, so he decided to leave, go do something different. So I thought that was a, a pretty... I mean, Robert posted an article on that uh, a few weeks ago, and I thought it was pretty interesting that that, that kind of trouble can happen. So they, uh, you know, cask ale purists, they really take this stuff serious. So don't mess with that CO2. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, cask ale, it's a living beer. And as the beer is removed from the cask, it is actually replaced 
by air from within the pub. So whatever air is in the pub is getting into your beer. And the longer that cask is tapped, that means the more that it's going to change in the environment that it is in the pub. So if the pub's got certain things going on, it's going to take that environment and put it into the beer. So your beer is going to change uh, as time goes on. So some pubs are known to have a house flavor, quote, house flavor in their cask after being tapped. However, if the cask are left too long, guess what? That beer becomes stale. That's one of the bad things, I guess, about not having that CO2 is you can definitely yeah. uh, get, get that get that beer stale. And that, that yeah, means tossing Short shelf. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, one other thing to keep in mind, again, here in America, people like their beers more bubbly and they like their beers cold. And guess what? Cask ales are served at cellar temperature, which is around the mid-50s in Fahrenheit. So... That's another thing that kind of can turn people off to the whole Cascale movement here in the States. Yeah, yeah. So we, you mentioned Cascale purists, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't get any more uh, Cascale purists than the, the campaign for real ales uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> camera uh, in the UK. And uh, this group was formed in uh, 1971, actually. Uh, and Camera was created to try to preserve uh, cask ale. They call it real ale. Real ale. Um, oh. In the UK. Uh, because at that time, uh, all the cask ales were being replaced by beers from kegs that had been, you know, filtered or pasteurized and forced carbonated and just it is what it is when it's sent out the door. Um and uh, so, you know, they were formed trying to push Cascale back into pubs, give pub goers more choice in, in cask beers and, and all that. So uh, the real ale that uh, camera supports uh, pretty much needs to follow the traditional processes, you know, no shortcuts. Um, and, you know, in that vein, it, you know, there are a lot of breweries in the U.S. that do you know, cask nights and, and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, where they'll put a beer of theirs on cask and, and serve it up. Uh, most of those would not be up to camera's standards uh, <laughs> here. Um, you know, a lot of these are just forced carbonated, put in the cask with a special ingredient, um, you know, to make it unique for the event. Uh, but uh, very few uh, are actually prepped in the cask and, properly served and, and all that. I mean, I've been to some where you, you can't even see the cask anywhere. They're not pulling it from a beer engine. So it's probably just a keg that they've put something into, you know, for, for the night. Uh, you know, so even though you, you may see cask, uh, around, uh, you may have to search around to find somebody that's doing it in a, in a traditional manner if, if you want, uh, you know, kind of the, the real deal. Mm-hmm so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real deal, the real L deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, that, that's some great information. Now, John, I, I mean, you mentioned that your mom uh, really fell in love with this cask ale when she was in England. Has she made any, has she visited any places like a, a full cask ale brewery? Like you're going to take her to when she's here, uh, this week, has she visited any place like that in the states? And is she? Does she have this? If she has, does she have the same feeling visiting a you know a Cascale brewery in the states versus what she had in in England? Uh, 
Uh, no, she hasn't found a place like that uh, in the states. Uh, so we'll see how this place, uh, you know, ranks for her. Okay. Um, but uh, I just know the the couple times I've been out with her since that trip, and you know, they've had something on cast. She jumps at it. She doesn't even need to look at anything else. Wow. So, um, so yeah. Okay. I'll definitely report back if if we can make it happen. So. Yeah, no, no, no. I I'm very curious, and I'm sure our listeners will be curious too on on how it stands up and if she really in, enjoyed it. Now she's going to have a number of cascales. Is she, I assume she's going to do a flight of them, so she'll be able to taste how each one uh, comes out. So should should be a good it should be a good uh, event for sure. Yeah, well, most of those places uh, beers are are low alcohol, so we we just do a flight of pints. Yeah, be good. A flight of pints. <laughs> okay, so you now uh, I I kind of laugh at you saying that, but here's the problem. I I, I enjoy Cascale, but I enjoy Cascale in a limited amount. I can have one glass of it, like one pint, sixteen ounces, but I'm pretty much done with one pint. <laughs> I, I mean, I enjoy what it does, but it is enough different from the beer that I enjoy that I don't know if I could do more than, you know, one pint, maybe two pints at the most, but then I'll be, you know, done because it does have a little bit different feeling, right? A different uh, mouth feel going down without the carbonation and uh, it is warmer and depending, you know, it, it, it kind of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit different. I, I've had, I've had a number of Cascales here locally in the Boise area at the, at the Tin Barrel. They have two Cascale, Cask, uh, beer engines that they uh, pump their beer through. And, uh, it, I guess it depends on the beer style. Uh, some beers, you know, are a little easier to drink. Some are a little bit harder to drink depending on, on what you're putting through that thing. So, uh, we'll see if you guys can can pump out a bunch of pints of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. challenge accepted. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, so that was our brew buzz. I thought that was pretty informative. Thank you, John, for uh, you know researching that and and getting that out to our listeners. Uh, before we go into the articles, I want to. Uh, I, I already mentioned earlier in the show that uh, you know last episode, John and I. You know, Wes mentioned that John and I should have our own top 10, end of the year, top 10 best beers of 2016. So we're, we're going to do that. For our last show of the year, we are going to have each of us our top 10 beers of the year. And uh, But one thing was brought up from uh, from our buddy Chris McKenzie on the Facebook page, our, our administrator. He said, you know what would be great is if, if we could get our listeners to also provide their what they think their top five beers that they've had in 2016. We don't want you to go crazy and do 10, but Hey, if you guys want to provide us with five, your, your five favorite beers of 2016, feel free to do that. You can either leave us an email or you can do it on our Facebook page. Or if you really have the gumption, go ahead and just record yourself talking about the five best beers and we can add to the show and you can get your voice on the show with us. So I just wanted to throw that reminder out there to you guys. And John, uh, you, you have quite a task ahead of you because mine, my task was pretty easy. I pretty much uh, just said, you know what, I'm only going to choose the beers that I have rated five caps and above, which turned out to be about 30 beers. So I only had to narrow down my top 10 from 30. Uh, you have to narrow yours down from all 300 and or 400 beers 
that you have because you don't have a good rating system like mine that can actually, you know. Oh, narrow, narrow I, <laughs> yeah, I just I I don't give out the the five as easily as as you do. This is all. Yeah, um, yeah, because I, yeah, I <laughs> I may be. Um, Actually, I'll probably be at 500 beers uniques for this year by the time we get to this. So Okay. All right. So yeah. you only have to pick 10 of them. Yeah. And I'm not going to give you my list until we talk about it on the show because I don't want you no. to cheat. I don't want you to cheat no. and uh, and steal any of my beers. <laughs> uh, I thought all these were great. I only had two of them, but uh, all these were my favorite. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Now it is time for our uh, our article, news articles, and we were lucky enough to have a couple listeners provide some articles for us. And the first one we're going to talk about was brought to us by our buddy Jason Lacey of the Fluxapose and Battle of the Beer. Uh, go check out those podcasts and that YouTube Battle of the Beer is a YouTube show. Fantastic job! They've changed up their format. They're doing some really interesting and fun uh, shows. So go check out Battle of the Beer on YouTube. And uh, give them a like and subscribe to them because we want to make sure that they can get their uh, YouTube page with their with a with a decent name. You know that's their goal is get a hundred hundred subscribers so they can name their page what they want. But uh, he brought us an article, and of course we had a lot of listeners. He was the first one to bring us this article. But man, I must have had five or six people hit me with the same article when they found out because they know, you know, about how I've been complaining about not being able to get. Founders Beer, Founders Brewing Company, is expanding their distribution to Washington, Oregon, and Idaho in early 2017. Wow, isn't that great, John? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Founders was one of my stops when I was in Grand Rapids uh, for the National Homebrewers Conference. Uh, We stopped there on our last day and just hung out for a while. Oh, beers, so. I bet that was fantastic. Everyone I hear that goes to Founders and just sits in their their beer garden and and drinks their beer just have a great time. And I I, I want to do that one day. I, I will do it one day. I'm going to make that trip. And don't don't worry about doing it in the winter either. They've built their outdoor space for winter because you know they'll get some some harsh times up there in Michigan with a lot of snow and yeah. and whatnot. But they it's completely heated. Uh, they got heaters all throughout. They got it all ready to go. So sweet. Uh, any time of the year, hit them up. All right, all right. So I'm just going to quickly just read over the, just a portion of their announcement. They they announced that it's expanding the distribution territory to include Washington, Oregon, and Idaho with the help of their Great Artisan Beverage Network. So beginning in January 2017 through February 2017, founders year-round seasonal and specialty beers in bottles, cans. And applicable in kegs, where available, uh, we'll have uh, the, and also do select limited release beers. Man, we're gonna get a wide variety of stuff. We're not just getting the regular stuff. We're gonna get even some of their special release stuff, which is great. And they said they will first be launching in Washington in the beginning of yeah, the important people. Yeah, yeah, beginning of January, <laughs> and following on the hills of the Washington launch beginning in February will be Oregon and Idaho. So I gotta wait a little bit longer to get my founders here in, in my area, but you get it in January, John, so you'll be you'll be hooked up. Yeah, I'll have to seek out some of their events. I'm sure they'll have a bunch of events throughout yeah. you know, the area. So yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah, fun. All right, and uh, from our buddy Devious Mr. Matt over at the 40Cast, uh, 
he uh, sent us an article about the, the $20,000 rare craft beer that uh, comes packaged in a squirrel. In a squirrel. In a squirrel. <laughs> um, so uh, this beer is from BrewDog. Uh, the end of history uh, beer goes on sale. And uh, it is literally the bottles inside a taxidermied squirrel. Yes. Um, so it's $20,000 to pick up one of these bad boys. Um, but uh, what they're doing now, uh, they're in the middle of an equity push for their, their new brewery in Columbus, Ohio. And so uh, picking up one of these uh, these beers, well, um, that, that amount of money, you can also buy you an equity stake in, yeah. in the company. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, right? I mean, uh, it's a unique beer that sold for a lot of money back in 2010, I think it was, when they first came out with it. They were selling it. They only made, I think they only released six. Now I can't remember how much they released. I think they released like six or 12 bottles of this beer. And they sold it for some, you know, I think it was $10,000 or something like that, or $1,000 per bottle or something ridiculous. Uh, and I guess it was a pretty good beer. I guess I think it's a Belgian, uh, a Belgian style ale with some different things added to it. Uh, I guess the beer is pretty good too. But you buy it for the bottle, I think, because this bottle is stuffed up a up a squirrel's butt and you pour it out of his mouth. So it's kind of a interesting bottle. But they're doing an equity crowdfunding campaign to raise fifty million dollars f- to help pay for their new brewery that they're already you know opening, and also potential brew pubs in other cities. Uh, which is uh, kind of cool. I mean, I know a lot of people are, are you know, I, my buddy Alex Fuchs from uh, Israel, he loves brew dogs. He was actually, when he was finishing up his schooling, uh, he applied to uh, to be a brewer over at, in brew dogs. Uh, so he was pretty, you know, he's pretty excited about this brewery. And I'm kind of, it would be nice to, now that they'll be in the States, that we'll be able to get more of their stuff in a timely manner. Uh, that should be that should be fun. But here's the question, John. Now I know that you're not going to pay twenty thousand dollars f- to try this beer, but uh, would you be willing to fork out twenty thousand dollars if you knew you owned a portion of BrewDog Brewing? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know about that either. No? Uh, yeah, maybe. I, uh, I I suppose it would depend. Um, although I'd probably be more likely to do it for something like if they were here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it was actually something local that I could enjoy or or something like that. But um, even then, twenty k is, is a whole lot. But I think their uh, their equity stuff you can actually get in lower. Yeah, um, yeah. I they, think even 90, under a hundred bucks. Yeah, so. ninety five bucks is the uh, entry level. But that's going to get you maybe a name on a wall. You got to fork out some money if you want to get a glass, <laughs> <laughs> a mug, be part of the mug club, the squirrel, yeah. the squirrel club. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. No, probably not. Okay. So, yeah. how about you? Do you? No, no. I don't. I don't. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I, I mentioned to you in. in Quickly, that you know, here in the, in the Boise area, we had the Boise Brewing. It's a cooperative brewery, and they were doing crowdfunding uh, to to pay for you know to to start up their brewery. And everyone that you know that buys into it is a co-owner of the of the brewery. But their minimum, I think their minimum 
amount you could invest was one thousand, and I think the the main amount was like between seven thousand and ten thousand dollars. And I just thought, wow. For one thing, I hadn't had any beer. They, you know, I didn't even know if they knew how to make good beer because I hadn't had any of their beer. I'm like, why would I want to go in and and try to fork some money over if I hadn't even tasted their product? So I was a little bit. I was going to go to one of their their meetings that they had until I found out that the minimum to get in was was uh, was higher than I really wanted to pay. I thought, well, maybe I'll go in and I'll, I'll pay 500 bucks or 250 or something. And I'll, you know, I thought it'd be small doses, but yeah, they kind of killed me at the, at the big money. Now, BrewDog, they've been around for a long time and, and they're established and people love their beer. So I think if, you know, if they have a, you know, if somebody really loves their beer and wants to own a part of it just to feel like they're part of the favorite brewery then i could see where it'd be worth it so i don't i don't think it's unheard of uh, i know that you know stone brewing tried to do a similar thing when they were raising their you know crowdsourcing money for their brewery over in berlin i think it was and that gave a lot of uh there's a lot of issues that were going on with people you know not appreciating that you know big brewery like stone is is trying to get money to to expand their uh, their brewery overseas. I know that has some issues, but I don't know. Um, if I was in a, if I had money to invest that way, I probably would do it. Um, but I don't have that kind of money yet. So no. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listeners out there, let us know if you would uh, one buy a buy a, a squirrel taxidermied beer uh, for twenty thousand dollars. If it included uh, some stock or some owners ownership of the brewery, uh, let us know how you feel about that. Okay, we have one more article. This one we got off of craftbeer.com, and this goes in hand with our Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving season. It's the time uh, to be enjoying f- beer and food. And this article is called "Friends Giving Beer and Food Pairings," which I thought was. Pretty cool. So they have eight, I think it's eight. Let me just make sure. Uh, yes, they have eight different pairings. And uh, these are, we're going to just briefly talk about each eight as, uh, you know, to give you guys an idea of what you might want to pair for your Thanksgiving meal, uh, meal, you know, your Thanksgiving foods and beer. So the first one they talk about is cornbread dressing along with a tart cranberry beer. And of course, uh, you know, cornbread, I don't, I don't normally make cornbread dressing myself because, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm too cheap. I just go buy the bag of, uh, whatever stuffing, you know, bread, bread crumb <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And then I make, I make my, I make my stuffing homemade, but I don't go and, and go fancy with the cornbread uh, stuffing. I think I just use regular bread stuffing, but Hey, this is uh, kind of cool. It's a, uh, I guess this is a a southern alternative to midwestern bread stuffing. They say it's primarily with cornbread, stock, onion, and celery. Okay, that seems yeah, pretty I, cool. I can get on board with cornbread dressing. I haven't. Ha- I never had that either. Yeah, We've always had just the straight bread, you know, yeah. stuffing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they. So they. The way they kind of uh, uh, give you this little tart cranberry beer thing along with it is because they they say that. Hey, what you know? Normally, when you're going and eating stuffing, what do you got right next to it? You got a little cranberry sauce. You go ahead and mix that cranberry sauce with your stuffing, and hey, guess what? It goes well together. So they say that 
adding a, a tart cranberry beer, such as maybe the Cranberry Wit from the North, the Great North Aleworks out of uh, New Hampshire, or maybe a Cranberry Orange Rattler from uh, Boulevard Brewing from Kansas City. Uh, I've actually, I think I've had that Cranberry Orange Rattler. I've had a couple of Rattlers from Boulevard. They do a pretty good job. So, but I don't, I don't have any Cranberry Tart. Uh, uh, beers in my fridge, so I don't know if I'll be able to to do that. How about you, John? You have some cranberry tarts in your fridge? No, no, I don't. Um, in fact, I don't think I've ever had a cranberry tart beer. So, oh, really? Uh, I just had a cranberry tart cider. Oh, nice. last yeah, from Merriweather. I had it last night. Yeah, pretty nice. Good. Okay. Yeah, so sticking with the cranberry theme. Uh, the next pairing is cranberry sauce and wheat beer. Mm. Um, so they're, they're kind of flipping the opposite of that first pairing, you know, get the tart cranberry sauce, get a more bready malt forward beer. Yeah. Although I, I would say you got to be careful with your wheat beer choice here because there are quite a bit, quite a number of wheat beers that have a bit of a, a tartness to them. Um, on their own, mm-hmm. uh, so you gotta make sure you, you're you know the wheat beer you're you're picking yeah. to kind of avoid amping up that that little bit of tartness. Um, but uh, they suggest uh, the Sierra Nevada Keller Vice or the uh, the Lone Rider um, Shotgun Betty out of North Carolina. Huh? Have you so, have you? I've had the Keller Vice, but I that that Shotgun Betty sounds like I might need to try that one. I like the name. <laughs> Yeah, same. I've I've had the the Sierra Nevada one. I've okay. not had had the other. All right. Well, so. uh, I love wheat beer. Uh, I might be able to get down with this because there'll be leftover cranberry uh, sauce uh, after Thanksgiving. So maybe I'll just go ahead and I'll try it on its own just to see how it goes. And I'll, if I do, I'll report back to all you guys to say, "Hey, this is the way to go." Nice. All right. So another one. Here's here's an odd one because uh, you know I don't typically cook up mac and cheese for my Thanksgiving meal. But uh, if you have kids, I guess, you might make some fancy mac and cheese for, for all, all types. But they say a good old Oktoberfest uh, goes well with mac and cheese. They said that uh, mac and cheese is a crowd-pleasing comfort food. It's rich and creamy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. It says... Uh, yeah, it says the like kind of like a, a sweet and salty combo is what you're gonna get with this uh, this thing. So, a crisp lager finish is a refreshing balance to the pasta's heavier body. They say Jekyll Brewing Seven Bridges Oktoberfest. I'd never heard of Jekyll Brewing. They're out of uh, Georgia, and uh, the Victory Fest beer. And I've had Victory Fest beer, so I I don't know. Yeah, I just John, had that one this week. Oh, did you? Did you <laughs> yeah. have this? So are they still? Are you still able to get a lot of Oktoberfest right now, or is it kind of at the end of the season? Uh, there's still a few on the shelves, at least. Uh, okay. I just saw some today at the grocery store. Okay. So. All right. Well, I don't eat mac and cheese, but maybe I'll have my daughter try that out because she loves mac and cheese. So. I'll just say, here, oh. here, drink this uh, Oktoberfest and tell me if it goes well with the mac and cheese. I tell you what, I eat a lot of mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've I found that every beer goes well okay. with mac and cheese. Okay. So uh, this will be good. And then anything else you may have will also be good. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, all right. So the next one uh, 
you know, after that heavy mac and cheese, uh, you might, <laughs> might have some, some roasted root vegetables, um, oh, yeah. perhaps. Uh, and they uh, recommend pairing that with uh, an American Brett or a, a beer to guard. Um, so, you know, they're, they're playing off that earthiness yeah. uh, with the, the roasted root vegetables and uh, going that little funky uh, little barnyard, although I don't know that I want that barnyard. Um, <laughs> little, you know, a reminder, little horse blanket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but basically, they're, yeah, they're playing up um, that earthiness. Uh, and then they they also kind of venture into more sour. They they tack in the, the lacto and PDO stuff because Brett alone doesn't give you sourness. Um, it, it just gives you the, the funk. funk. You need something yeah. else. Okay. Um, uh, but, uh, their recommendations are, uh, Cezanne de Bank, Bank, Cezanne de Bank, uh, from, uh, Vert Green Bench in St. Petersburg. Wow. So, uh, what's we'll Chris, uh, go check that out Yeah. for us. Um, and then the Beard Guard from Schlafly in St. Louis. Ah, oh. okay. So two things I have not had. Me neither. And I, there's another, I, I don't know if I, I fully on board with this, this pairing, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to, to try a whole bunch of different beers to see what works. I so. am. Yeah, I am too. I'd be willing to try it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it doesn't work because I love Saison. So, uh, and I love Brett Saison. So that's even better. And if I can, if it tastes good with a little bit of, uh, earthy, uh, root vegetables, then Hey, I'll go for it. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not too heavy on that horse blanket barnyard, I, I think I'd be okay with it. In this, yeah, in a sense. Yeah. So okay. All right. The next one. Hey, we're staying with vegetables, but this time we're going with the sweet, the sweet vegetables. Things like roasted butternut squash or maple glazed carrots or sweet potato casserole. They say, hey, add that stuff with a spiced seasonal beer. Now they they kind of just. I, I don't know. They, they, that seems pretty obvious, doesn't it, John? I thought it was a bit of a cop out. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> come on. That's of course that's that would go well together. So, of course, they say the sweet and spicy flavor combo is popular worldwide. All right, they say try it with the heavy seas, great greater pumpkin bourbon barrel aged pumpkin beer. Uh, okay, I, you know what? Adding the bourbon barrel into that. Yeah, I can see adding a little bit of uh, of that in there. Might might you know, especially with the maple glazed carrot, that might go well. Yeah, although with the bourbon, you know, giving you some of that vanilla sweetness, you could risk you know going a little little too much in that regard. True, could be too rich. Yeah, yeah, it could be too. But rich. I, I'm not familiar with that beer in particular. Yeah, so. me neither. Me neither. I've had heavy seas beer, but I haven't had that one. So uh, that's out of Baltimore. Maryland, so we got some some buddies out there that might try that. And then here's one I have had, and I do enjoy this one actually. It's the uh, New Belgium Brewing uh, Lips of Faith Coco Mole. It's a spiced chocolate porter. Now that one is odd. Um, that one's kind of odd for me with these sweet vegetables. I I don't know. I, I it's something well, I, I think have to that's try. that's definitely playing up the sweet and spicy. Yeah. Aspect. It. that's true um, that's true whereas depending on the spice level that first one could end up being more sweet and sweet so yeah okay. I, I could see that I, I could see that one that one i i saw and i was like yeah i could get on board with that even though i haven't had this beer so oh you haven't had that beer 
No, oh, no, man. I haven't. I, I get every Lips of Faith beer out there because I love them. Although I, I do yeah. admit the one I just had recently was not on the better. It was probably like the worst rated one. I, I still gave it like a three and a half. But most of these beers I give a four or above because I think they do a great job. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, all right. We got to get through a little bit more vegetables before <laughs> we can get our dessert. So uh, we'll, we'll go with the bitter vegetables, um, which they, they describe as roasted cabbage, some Brussels sprout slaw, or a sautéed Swiss chard. <laughs> uh, and they say... Uh, Go with the Belgian style quad. Really? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. Of course, I also don't know that I'd be uh, eating a whole bunch of any of that bitter vegetable <laughs> on my Thanksgiving either. Because um, oh. I'm I'm here to pick out. This is you know your one day. Yeah. You know to get get through this, but uh, um. Yeah, it's uh, looking for a little bit of sweetness to balance the bitterness of the vegetable. Is there, uh, you know, reasoning for it? Um, so they're they're looking for a sweeter Belgian quad. Uh, okay. So they say the the Avery uh, Brewing Company, the Reverend, um, and then Three Taverns uh, Quasimodo out of Georgia. Wow! Oh. Wow! Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I I can't. I can't uh, say it's bad. I actually, last year, I believe I drank a Belgian quad uh, during my dinner for Thanksgiving dinner. So, but I didn't have any bitter vegetables. Um, sorry, no no bitters there for me. But I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, I'm doing it wrong, obviously, <laughs> obviously. All right. So, okay, here's your favorite part, John. Uh, this, is, this is the dessert time. And this, they're saying, hey, pecan pie or pecan pie, however you want to say it, with a bitter IPA. Wow. Uh, And it says, to combat the flavor fatigue that might be plaguing your palate after six pairings, we're going to call it, we're going to call it the Big Guns, an intense, resinous, West Coast IPA with a slice of rich pecan pie. Both are strong enough to balance one another while also cutting through the previous flavors that may still be lingering on your tongue. All right. Uh, what do you think about that? You, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've been trying to think of, you know, because, I mean, IPA can come in a lot of different flavor, flavor profiles just due to all the different hops. And I was like, all right, if I wanted to do this with, like, a pecan pie, how how would I want it? And I'm still <laughs> struggling to come up with that um juxtaposition between yeah, the two yeah yeah well they say that the green flash brewing soul style ipa or stone brewing's stone ipa uh those are two very different uh, ipas <laughs> so, yeah I, I enjoy the soul style ipa from green, green flash but that has more uh, if i remember correctly i think it has more tropical fruity flavors in there I'm not mistaken, or um, uh, it's a tropical citrus. Yeah, tropical uh, citrus. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's good by itself. I I don't know if I want to mix tropical citrus bitterness with my pecan pie, which I love pecan pie. Um, but you know what? Maybe it does counteract the sweetness. 
And maybe the citrus and tropical fruits with the sweetness are enhanced while the bitterness cuts it, you know, cuts down some of that sweetness a little bit faster. Yeah. So maybe yeah, it would maybe go you low. could have more slices of pecan pie yeah. if you pair it with a bitter IPA. That's I great. may have to test this out. You okay. Know. All right. For sure. For sure. Yeah, so uh lastly, uh we got leftovers now, right? <laughs> We gotta start eating those. Um, and uh, so they they recommend doing your leftovers with an English style barley wine. Um, <laughs> because you know, you're already finished. You're already wasted. Strong. That's assuming you could even taste your IPA after having your quad. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think it's just more of a. They're just looking for a sipper here. You know, just something to finish out the night as you just kind of, you know, slowly. Fill the what little space you might have left. Yeah. Um, although I, you know, I tend to not do so much leftovers day of, but then I'll, I make Thanksgiving nachos. Ooh. After that um, sounds good. Just throwing on the, you know, turkey and uh, some corn souffle and mashed potatoes and cheese and gravy and just throw it all in there, heat it up, eat it. Awesome. Yeah. That's my my tip there okay now that, that one we can actually provide some timely thanksgiving you know, nobody, nobody's gonna, unless you have all these beers sitting in your fridge you're in trouble but uh you know yeah there's some uh way to use your leftovers you're yeah. welcome okay. um but uh they recommend the uh, blithering idiot uh from wirebacher or the arctic devil from midnight sun <laughs> which which yeah sounds i haven't had the arctic arctic devil but they why why do most of these beers that they are providing are ones that are like very difficult to get for most people? I mean, they're really going out on a stretch to uh pull out the midnight sun. I I can only get it when I come to Seattle to get it from uh, yeah, I'm like I don't see a problem with that. That's good. <laughs> I can get anything from midnight sun that I want anytime. Uh, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean that that goes with any of these though. I mean there there aren't a lot of nationally distributed English style barley wines or quads, you know. You, you got to pick something just to at least give folks an idea of maybe what to look for. What do you mean? Bigfoot from Sierra Nevada? Or is that, is that an English style I think or that's American? An American? That's style. American. I think you're right. It is American. Yeah. I just had a barley wine. Um, what did I just have? Critical Hit from Ninkasi. Mm. It's an American barley wine. Have you had that beer? It, 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 no. Okay. Um, it's really good, but I'll tell you what, uh, it was hard for me to drink all 22 ounces of that by myself. By the time I got down to that last sip, I was done with the barley wine. It, it was definitely a barley wine and I had even let it age. I don't remember if I let it age. It was 2013. So I let it age two years. They borrowed it in, I think 2013 and let, then gave it out in 2014 and I held it for two years. Oh, heck, I have had that beer. What'd in you? 2011. Okay, you yeah, did 20. Yeah. Oh, I had a 2011 version in 2013. Excuse me. You know what? So. I had uh, actually. You know what? I had. I list. I, I actually had the 2014 version, but they didn't have it on Untapped, so I just tapped into the 2013. So yeah, I held it for two years. Um, even with that, it. I think if I would have had it fresh, it would have been too much to handle. Even you know. Two years later, it was uh, it was a it was a little bit on the harsh side, but it was good. It had good flavors in there. But uh, yeah, 
I have I have five I still have five barley wines in my cellar right now that I need to drink. Plus I have your barley wines that I not counting in those five. So I have I think two versions of your barley wine. So I have like seven barley wines I need to drink. And they're and most of them are all two years or older that I've been storing them for. <laughs> so if you have one that has two B on the cap. Yes. Um I do have that one. That one also one took first. Oh, another so, award winner! All right, and I entered it as an English barley wine, actually. So, okay. even though it, it's not. Oh, okay. You, you, <laughs> it's you, just old enough to give those kind of characters out. So, okay, sweet. I look forward to trying that. I'll have to drink that one this week so I can uh, comment on it. All right, so John, um, for one thing, this list is kind of cool just to get an idea of how to pair things. But there's no way anyone is going to drink eight of these beers while they're eating dinner. So uh, I think it'd be more of an open and share, like you know, type thing. Like everybody gets a, a, a four ounce pour or, or something like that <laughs> for okay. each for each course, it, you know, it, to go along. That, actually, you know what? That would be kind of cool to do uh, if you were serving it in courses. But in my house, it's like all the food gets put on the table, and you all serve it around it, and you eat at one time. So. It has to be a pretty fancy thing. Yeah, there would be three courses here um, for us. One through six would be one course, and then the pie, and then the <laughs> yeah. leftovers would be their own. There you go. That's that's so. true. Okay, so for one through six, what beer do you think that you'll be drinking uh, for your Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, so I just brewed up a porter that I'm pretty happy with that I think I may be taking – uh, a couple of growlers over, or at least a growler over to to drink on. So, okay. I think that one might be what I'm what I'm doing um, for Thanksgiving. Okay, okay. I um, I am probably gonna break out one of my cellar beers. I typically do that for the dinner, and I think I'm going to drink. I don't remember if I have. I, I probably drink another Belgian quad. I I don't know if I have a Stoic. Or not the Stoic left. I think I drank the not the Stoic from 2014. I think I have a Stoic left. Or I also have a Jubo, uh, Jubo from two years ago, I think. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I usually pull the cellar at the end of the day. And this year we're, we're going to uh, my mother-in-law. So I won't be home, uh, you know. To, until, so I got to be, I got to be somewhat uh, responsible throughout the day. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, I think we did pretty good on articles and content for today. Uh, our listeners, let us know, if you want, what you guys drank for Thanksgiving dinner, anything special. We'd love to hear it. Okay, John, it is that time where we need to call it quits. So it's uh, time for you to raise a glass to whoever you'd like to raise a glass and give a toast to tonight. All right. So, uh, yeah, Last show, we had Wes on, and uh, Wes has been doing a little sharing for us. So I uh, want to give a shout-out to uh, Frank. Um, if you're if you're listening, uh, happy to have you, and hope you enjoy the show. All right. Oh. All right. So I figured that Frank was, was most likely um, a friend of Wes's or someone that Wes knows because he, he you know, befriended us on, fa- on uh, Twitter and, and uh, I just accepted it because I figured, hey, I, why accept all of our listeners? So 
<laughs> that's the way it is. I'm I'm open to whoever. So thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you want, uh, head back to episode three. <laughs> Start from there. And if you want to know more about me, then you can hit episodes one and two as well. But uh, John will say that the show doesn't really start uh, and you know, it doesn't get good until episode three. Yeah, absolutely. That's when the talent showed up, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Hi, Dennis. How about you? What you want to toast tonight? All right. I have a few toasts. I first, of course, want to thank uh, some people for all the interactions we've had the last couple of weeks, especially David Makazuki for all of his contribu- contributions, uh, Mr. Tim Price, Jason Lacey, and, of course, my buddy David Bizzle. Uh, you know, for all the interactions, I've had a number of uh, text messages from the different people, and it's been fun interacting and talking about beer. So I just want to raise my glass to those guys. Also, I met a new friend today. Her name is uh, Miss Carly, and she's at Poison Pink Puff on Twitter and on Untapped. And uh, I was very impressed. She just got to drink the Samuel Adams Utopius from 2015. I was uh, very, uh, a little bit jealous that uh, I'm not able to, to sample that that beer or collect that awesome bottle. That's what I'd want more than the beer probably is just the bottle itself because it's, oh, absolutely. it's a cool bottle. It's a good beer too. So so, so you've actually had the beer. I've been able to taste it, yeah, at okay. a homebrew club meeting. Somebody won one as part of a competition and came, brought it to a homebrew club to share with oh, everybody. Wow, what an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But uh, they actually have a bottle of this or have had a bottle of this uh, for sale at 99 Bottles for a while. But um, it's an older vintage, and they're looking for like 300 bucks or oh, 400 wow. bucks or something like that. Um, so a little rich for my blood. Yeah, but. yeah, for mine too. I think the going rate is like 150 to 200 uh, which I'm not going to pay that much for a beer. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, right now, I'm I'm having trouble paying twenty dollars for a bottle of beer, so <laughs> I, I think I'm just gonna stick to, you know, to what I can afford. I don't want to go broke with this whole hobby. <laughs> all right. Also, I just wanna I just wanna say uh, thank you to all of our listeners. I'm very very thankful that you guys uh, take the time to listen to John and I talk about our passion, which is beer, and we really appreciate uh, all your support. And, of course, uh, you know, I, I didn't mention on the last episode, I, you know, that about, you know, Veterans Day. But we did have Veterans Day, and I just want to raise my glass to all of our veterans out there and all of our service members. Uh, thank you for providing our, our uh, support of our freedoms. And, uh, hey, return home safely to your families very soon. And we also have a reminder about our tasting notes segment for our next episode because it is winter time guess what we're going to be tasting a winter warmer and we are going to be tasting the full cell brewing wassail winter warmer so go out there and pick up a six pack of wassail and you won't be disappointed and taste along with us and you can find the beers and the links to the articles that we mentioned on the show in the show notes which is located on the show post at openforumradio.com and if you would like to follow us on social media I can be found on Twitter, Instagram and untapped at Loose Screw and John, how can our listeners follow you? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA and if you want to read about things I used to do in homebrewing go to homebrewengineer.com 
All right. Well, you know what, John? I think it's time for you to put an article on homebrewengineer.com about your award-winning beers, and uh, maybe people might want to, you know, copy you. Maybe you can give them some good recipes. Yeah, well, I think most of those recipes should already be up there. Okay. So, yeah, I think the Loose Cannon's up there. I know. Yeah, I know Loose Cannon's on there, but uh, maybe you can just remind people of how great we are at brewing. Yeah, we. Wait, huh? <laughs> hey, that was my that was my hard uh, hard work grinding all that grain incorrectly. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, John. It is last call. Let's bring this show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading, and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend, like Wes did, uh, about our show. And, of course, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. And we... Are you we going to say something? <laughs> or are you no. sneezing? Okay. I didn't make I didn't do anything. Oh. I could have heard like a sneeze or something like a Okay. Never mind. Oh, I think you heard Kristen pouring herself a pint even though I told her to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I came through. I'm ruining the show. <laughs> I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. I'll just continue on. I can edit it. No one will even know. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> Did you finish already? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh. in, the, I'm in the quiet section where we put the uh, plug in. Oh. I should have known. You're, you've always been a guy that's uh, known for being quick. <laughs> so. Exactly. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to begin in January through February. Are they? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I, I was thinking that I wrote something else, but uh, okay, I'll, let me start over there. All right, John, you can take All the right. fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll talk about the squirrel skin suit. <laughs> Come on, roll into mine, John. Come on. Oh, sorry. Leave me in. Come on, give me a little line. A little line. No, uh... <laughs>